Gina Della from Pella. And let me tell you, 555 is back. Get up to five years no interest, five months no first payment, and 5% same-day order savings at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. See PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Let the record show I have never steered into a squirrel. Nor have I ever accelerated into a squirrel. It is amazing. We are at the apex, I think, right now of the season when these squirrels are more daring than ever. I saw it again this morning. And I, to all the squirrels out there and to those of you who are squirrel whisperers and can maybe share this with them, I just suggest when you begin to dart out into traffic, and try to cross the street. Why did the squirrel cross the street? Just go. Don't stop. Don't hesitate. You go. You get in trouble when you pause midway. Yep. What? What? Just go. Keep going. But it is. Is it not? I mean, we. Is it not amazing? That for all, think about this, think about this, for all of the stories of road rage, for as upset as people get at, at each other, at fellow human beings, we will flip each other off, we will cut each other off with our vehicles, and sometimes obviously it escalates to violence, unfortunately. We will do some truly horrible things to our fellow humans on the road, but when it comes to squirrels... More of us than not, I would say a majority of Americans, we will pause for the squirrel. We will stop. I see, I do it, and I see it. I saw it this morning. There was a car driving. Now, if there's somebody right on your tail, you can't do that. Next thing you know, you're rear-ended and you got a chain reaction accident, and they're writing up the police report. Well, there was a squirrel. I'm sorry. That's not a good enough excuse. But I saw it again today. A car without anybody tailing it was driving and I saw the squirrel and I went oh man this is not going to end well and the person stopped they came to a complete stop in the middle of the road to allow the squirrel to pass so there is something about there is a inner kindness in Americans that when it comes to an animal they probably not just squirrels when it comes to an animal in the road we will stop we will pause we will go around it <laughs> if it's a fellow driver however <laughs> hey, son of a... I don't know. There's something to... But we are... I do want to talk about this today. We we are a... We are an... an Here's my question. Are we truly an angrier America? Are we an angrier? Or does it just seem like we are angrier? I mean, I, I, I'm serious about this. Are we angrier nowadays, or does that just does it just manifest itself differently than before? You used to think. What do we think? What do we think? Oh, I remember the the good old days, Kyle. The good old days when we were carefree. 
living life fancy free out there smiling good morning good morning neighbor well hello no you go first no 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 i insist you here ma'am let me hold the door for you but if we were to transport ourselves back to that day i have a feeling that there was plenty of anger back then too right i don't know there are if you do this you can find myriad stories of of customers. I mean, think about it. We could do a story every day about somebody on a flight right now attacking another passenger, attacking a flight attendant, attacking a pilot, doing getting unruly, and I realize Scott there's sometimes some what we like to call liquid courage involved. Yeah, I I I get that the alcohol factor sometimes is a key in that. But it's more than just that. It's in stores, it's in restaurants, and I would like to know why. Is that too is is that is that a silly question? I'm a big why guy. Why does this happen? Why? Do you disagree with the premise altogether that we are angrier? I would question that. I mean, I I don't know. Various stock market crashes. Were they angry during the depression? I got a feeling they were pretty ticked off during the depression. So I don't know if it was a simpler time then. I think if anything, we may feel more emboldened to express our anger at perfect strangers now more than ever. Do you agree with me on this or not? 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We start here. If we can be kind to the gentle squirrel, why are we angrier? And I think show that anger to each other. There's a story today, for example. Uh, feel free to disagree, but tell me why. What is your theory? On what would you blame the anger being demonstrated at one another? Hawaii restaurants, for example, are hiring security as tensions rise between customers tied to the new mandates. Now that specifically may be tied to a mask mandate, for example, but there are mandates in restaurants. I mean, security was not hired in restaurants to um, to uh, enforce and settle down the anger over the no shirt, no shoes, no no uh, service policy. Nobody's hiring security for that. There are there is something happening right now in society that makes us feel freer to just blow up at a perfect stranger. There's a a feeling of empowerment in doing that right now. And it manifests itself in all these stories every day. How many times has Jeff brought up something that happened on an airline or in a restaurant or at a store or just you know our newscasts telling stories of that all the time. And while there's always been anger, I don't know that it has always manifested itself in the way it does today, in the way it does now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? What is at the root? What is at the heart of the anger that, and, and I would ask specifically, what is at the 
the heart of people feeling as if I'm going to allow that anger to come out and I'm going to blow up at this uh, uh, clerk behind the counter who's taking my fast food order. I feel so ticked off and I'm going to give this flight attendant a piece of my mind or this fellow passenger somewhere. And you could take it to uh, road rage and things like that. Road rage has always been around, though, but still, 855-616-1620. That is our AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Or maybe people just want to talk about the squirrels. Save the squirrels. Or maybe we should be aiming for the squirrels. I don't know. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I don't know that we can solve the problem right here now, but (laughs) you can't help but realize what we're all doing. I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. We're all guilty of it. Manifesting that anger uh, in ways that I don't know that ever happened before. And I'm just curious why. Where do we put the blame? And it could be one of those situations where there is no one magic answer like a lot of things in life there are contributing variables and this could be one of those situations 855-616-1620 acunate mortgage talk and text line 855-616-1620 so what is your theory on this what is your theory don is in waterford this afternoon hello there don hey how you doing uh great question it's such a it's almost like a trick question because I don't know if there will ever be a specific, correct answer to it. Um, what I got for you, though, I mean, I feel like I feel like everybody's holding a grudge, you know, from maybe an instance that they had. I think a big thing that I see in society is just driving all over the place. People don't let people in. People aren't using their signals, and maybe somebody cut somebody off, and, well, they're going to be reluctant to let somebody in next time. I mean... It just seems like I think a lot of it stems from just people holding grudges hmm. from a similar negative experience that they had, and they're not going to, you know, forget about it. It's just instilled in them. Hmm. So something happens to them in some other walk of life, you're saying, but because, let's say, the uh, a clerk at the counter at Burger King didn't treat you right or got your order wrong, suddenly in that moment, whatever grudge you were holding, unrelated to Burger King or whatever the restaurant might be, suddenly it just it comes out right then and there. Is that what you're saying? It is. And you know what? The fast food um, example is a perfect because if somebody forgets, say, I don't know, it's probably happened to me in the past, if somebody forgets, uh, order of fries. Now I gotta sit in the drive-through, give them a call back, or go back in there and get it. And then it happens again. Well, I'm probably not gonna be as nice as I was the first time it happened to be, you know. And maybe it was a different McDonald's, so that was almost like a similar. Okay. So maybe I had a grudge that I didn't realize, sure. but it, again, it's happened again. So what the heck? I'm probably not gonna be as nice to the the next person that maybe had nothing to do with it. Okay. I think it's a grudge thing. Oh, interesting. Thanks for the theory, Don. And and I think you're probably right. There's no wrong answer. Probably more than one right answer. So it, it 
in the moment it unearths some sort of hidden or something from your past. It triggers memories or, to use use Don's word, a grudge of some sort that you have against that flight two years ago, and I'm not going to let it happen to me again. Mm -hmm. Mark in West Allis, a fellow West Elysian. Hello, Mark. Hello, can you hear me? Loud and clear. Hey, I hate to say it's all political, but such a large part of it, it is. I just watched... 30 minutes ago, the military testify in front of the Congressional Subcommittee on Afghanistan. And the way Congressman Matt Gates conducted himself in his interview was beyond appalling. It was a total lack of decorum and embarrassment aren't even the strong enough words. And this is a, I don't know, this is, these are our leaders now? Okay. It's outrageous. Well, let me ask you this, though, Mark. Do you think that... Political behavior, we'll just call it generically, political behavior is the reason why you and I are more quickly to show our anger at perfect strangers? Or is that, the political thing, is that just yet another symptom? Is that just another example of what we're trying to get at the heart of here? I think it just translates into almost becoming an acceptable norm and opens the door for complete lack of decorum i'm older and the way people conduct themselves these days is is unbelievable it's just unbelievable i mean and you could even they think i'm crazy on this one years and years and years ago when people used to go to an airport and get an airplane they dressed pretty nice <laughs> right My god it looks well, like people just got out of bed when they're walking around the airport well, these days yeah. i mean the baseball. I don't want to get off but, the point, though. So, but no, no, no. You're, you're, you're fine. I mean, if you want to, the baseball crowds used to be shirt and ties, right? Or suit and ties, I should say, for, to go to a baseball game. But um, okay, Mark. So let me ask you this: I, I, How old are you? How old are you, Mark? Sixty-five. Okay. So when you were, let's say, ten, fifteen years old, I'm sure there was anger. I mean, people have gotten angry since uh, since Adam and Eve. And why do you think it manifests itself more publicly now than maybe it did back then? That's a great question. The answer is simple. It's manners. When I'm 15, 17, 18, me and my circle of friends, no matter how rough around the edges they were, would never in their wildest dreams swear in front of an adult. It just wouldn't happen. Why? Okay, why? Why wouldn't you do it? No, right, right. But if you did... If you did, Mark, what would happen? <laughs> You'd get physically assaulted. That's what would happen. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I hope not. Well, no, but it, no, there would be would, some sort of what? Just, there would be some sort of what for what you did? We were, we were raised to have manners and decorum and respect in spite of differences. And for I don't know why, to your question, mm. that lack of decorum and respect is evaporating in our society, but it most certainly is. And my comment to you is, I mean, just look at the way the past administration denigrated so much. Okay. All right. I, I appreciate your, your theory, Mark. Thank you for the call. It's, um, huh. He, I think he almost hit on something that I think was key. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 
I will mention the magic word that he almost he almost got to right there next. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Fred calling from the West Side. Your theory, Fred, as to why the anger has bubbled up and shows itself in its ugly face in America now more than ever. I see. Well, I, I think the magic word is no consequences those for your two, behavior. Those are your, two words. Your expression. Fred, Fred, those are two words. No <laughs> consequences. How about that? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I, I, I let think. Me, let me tell you why. Let, let me tell you why I come to that conclusion. Okay, okay, okay. So, okay, uh, and I'll try to be brief. Um, I'm 79, and I, I've seen, you know, um, more opportunities for people to express them, and also I've seen a breakdown in society's, you know, rules and discipline. You know, in a, I'm speaking in a general sense without mm-hmm. giving a lot of. You know, names, um, you know, and I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh way back when, and I'm not going to say good or bad uh, things. I'm just going to say that I used to listen to him, and I've seen his audience build, and then I also seen him encourage people to call in, but he had to have, uh, you know, a a, a control button to get the angry people off, (laughs) the real ones, you know. Uh, But then there's more issues today that people are aware of, uh, there's more uh, transmission of those issues among society uh, and more uh, uh, venues for them to express, whether it's in the local newspaper where I live in, in, in the community, uh, you know, and uh, people are, are more educated, they have more opinions, and it's been pent up. You know, the, these expressions have been pent up for so long, but now the breakdown in, in the, uh, the discipline and the courtesies in the, in the lack of consequences, you know, all seem to lend to that. Sure. So I'll end with that. I appreciate the call, Fred. Yeah, it, it, I think you hit on a lot uh, that accounts for it. And I know, uh, you know, many of you and on the text line, too, are, are, are kind of directing yourself into the political arena. And I don't know that um, I don't know that the political discourse. Here's the magic phrase, right? I don't know that it is the cause more more than the symptom. Let me take one last call, then we'll uh, get to Mike in the newsroom. Uh, Joe in West Bend. Joe, I have I have less than a minute, so make your point because I think it's a good one. All right. So the point is fear. There is no fear in anything. There's no fear of being you know speeding. There's no fear of stopping at a light. There's no fear of having purple hair. There's no fear in talking back to somebody. There's just, there's no fear. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want. I Th- think it's driving people crazy. Thank you, Joe. There is no fear of punishment, no fear of consequences, no fear that, man, if I blow up at this perfect stranger who's serving drinks on the airplane, I'm going to be, actually, it's going to be kind of embarrassing. I don't care about being embarrassed. Um, it's allowed. Somebody on the text line used the word permissiveness. And another key word that we heard was it's become more of the norm. Because of all of that, it's more of the norm. So unruly behavior in fill-in-the-blank venue is more the norm. And as that unfolds, you could say in some ways it becomes more acceptable, quote-unquote. Even though you step back and go, well, that's clearly not the right way to handle a situation. When it becomes more common, it settles into a societal norm. And it's all because 
I think there are no consequences to it. There's no punishment. There's no self-check. Whoa, Scott, calm down. It's just a cheeseburger, and they forgot the cheese. You don't have to go off and go crazy on the poor, you know, 17-year-old behind the counter. Good theories. Good good start. Good conversation. I, I, there's plenty of symptoms, but like a lot of things, I think it's more important and more interesting, quite frankly, to talk about and try to bore down and find what's at the heart of the matter. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. School year is off and running. All kids deserve a safe space to reach age-appropriate milestones and overcome any developmental challenges that they may have. Please join WTMJ's Gene Miller Friday morning, this Friday morning, from 5 a.m. till 7 a.m., as part of Wisconsin's Morning News, he'll be hosting a special Radiothon as he helps raise money for Penfield Children's Center in Milwaukee. To learn more about how you can help and about the mission of Penfield Children's Center, go to WTMJ.com. WTMJ Cares is sponsored by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. You can easily, easily text the word CARES, C-A-R-E-S, to 855-616-1620. Text CARES will send you a link back with all the information. You can donate now. You don't have to wait until Friday morning. You can do it now. You can do it tonight. You can do it tomorrow. Um, What they're doing specifically at uh, the center is raising money to build a, a, uh, a play center as it were. They have one, but it's not as, as good as it should be, quite frankly, for kids of, of all ages and of all developmental uh, stages, I guess you would say. And uh, they do so much good, and Gene has done such a great job documenting all the different stories and things like that. Um, it's all on that link at WTMJ.com, and we'll send you the link if you text CARES to 855 616 I admit, it got me. It got me. I was late to the uh, smartphone, uh, not smartphone, the iPhone. I was late to the iPhone craze. I only got my iPhone in uh, summer of 16. Oh, Scott. Oh, what's wrong with you? You know the other thing, too? Do you have an iPhone, Kyle, or uh, Android? Where are you on the uh, spectrum of smartphones? I have an iPhone. You have an iPhone. Okay. Um do you remember what year you got an iPhone? Ish. Oh, my first one. First, first time. Oh, um, just maybe I, iPhone three. I don't know. I, I wasn't the first one to ever get it. I okay. wasn't in a hurry. Yeah, like ten years ago. I mean, a time, a time frame. Yeah, let's say eight. Oh, eight. eight okay, eight to ten years oh, ago. Okay, so we're like thirteen, fourteen. You know, oh, eight to ten years ago, not yeah. oh eight. Oh, okay. Well, that no. And are you? How many versions have you had since? Probably, I think I'd be on my fourth one. You are the one that I have now. I think it's the iPhone 11, but it's similar to the iPhone 8. There's, it's like the same thing. There are negligible differences. Once, I mean, aren't we? Yeah, this is still my original. That's the like what the five or something? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Six S. Just give me a little credit here. (laughs) No, this is still my original. You know, because, well, you know me. I'm a simple man. Um, I don't, it does everything I need. And, yeah, the battery is, uh, it, uh, 
sucks the juice out of it a little faster than it did every year, and I maybe keep it on low power just to keep the battery charged. But this is still my original phone, my original iPhone. And I have no intention until something breaks and it can't be repaired or, I don't know, I have no intention of getting a new one as long as I can text and call and, uh, you know, surf the web and, and do the do the basics, okay? Do the basics and it still works for me. Now, that said, I admit, while I was late maybe to the iPhone craze, I admit that I am now absorbed by my phone like everybody else. Even though I have no social media footprint, I know. Um, I'm still... What's the updates on ESPN? What do we got? What are the scores? Oh, I can text this. Oh, look at this news story. Uh, it, it, it's it got me. It does. Um, and I'm not happy. I mean, I'm not proud of it. It does. There are times where I will... I'm so anal about it. I, I, I will check my email all the time. All the time I am checking email. Unnecessarily. Even if... Oh, I got one new email. Delete. Okay, Now it's empty. Oh, one new email. Oh, three minutes later. Oh, I got three emails. Delete, delete, delete. Okay, now it's at zero again. I I don't know, but it got me. And I admit that it does. And I hate that it does. I hate that it does. I wish I was more independent of it. And quite frankly, that's one of the things in the back of my mind that I think, man, what if I did have a social media footprint? My God, how much more would I be looking at this little thing americans check their smartphones did i tell you the answer to this one you want to guess on average if you take all americans all americans so you got to take the the kids who are on it 24 7 and then you take maybe the older americans who have a smartphone but aren't as addicted to it as the kids on average how often do you think Americans check their smartphones uh, per day. So I would say the average person is probably awake for, you know, what, 14 hours a day, something like that. Try to average it out to maybe 20 times you're checking it. Per hour? Yeah. I mean, you could lower it to 10, but that'll still put you at 140 to 280 times per day. Okay. Americans check their smartphones 96 times a day. That seems low. lower than you you were uh, <laughs> anticipating. Ninety six times per day. That is once every ten minutes. Which, when you put it that way, that still seems like a lot. That still seems like a lot. This was a survey that a, a global tech care company uh, put out. The company also said it's a twenty percent increase from a similar survey researchers conducted two years ago. However. It says roughly 50% of Americans are attempting to use their phones less. So 50% are attempting to use their phones less, but it's a 20% increase from two years ago, which tells you what? America, you're not doing well in your attempt to check your phones more infrequently. 18 to 24-year-olds check their phones twice as much as the average. Okay. So now we're just under 200 times if, if you're 18 to 24 years old. And um, they're aware of it. Other key findings from the survey include that staying connected with family and friends is the number one reason people use their phones. Not a shocker there. Texting is now common among all age groups with baby boomers 
being seven times more likely to text than talk in person and twice as likely to send a text rather than dial a phone number. That is, um, that's kind of interesting. Baby boomers more likely, seven times more likely to text than talk in person. Can I tell you just anecdotally why I buy that? Because of this right here. I'm, uh, I'm tapping ye old text screen. I can just tell you that over time, the text screen has, eh, depending on the topic, depending on what we're talking about, overtaken, in my opinion, people calling to offer thoughts, comments in in a talk radio format. Now, I realize, Scott, maybe you just got to be better at generating calls. I get that. I mean, it's, it's the onus on whoever's sitting behind this year microphone to elicit you to call, to physically call. But I, we, at, at, at who do this, get a first-hand, I think, uh, a case of, uh, uh, or I should say, of first-hand evidence every day. It has been amazing to watch the text element of the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line as it has risen to rival the talking. And for our, there are many reasons. It's easier to do. You're, you're not in a position to call us. I, I get all that stuff. But as I read the survey, I, 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 how do you apply it to your life? And I thought, well, my own personal texting. But then I thought, what about the station? What about the shows, too? Um, it, it's, it's, so, it's more commonplace, again, as uh, baby boomers, seven times more likely to talk uh, to text and talk in person. I went, text line, our text line, fired up right now. Huh. I love it. It says, there's a downside to being glued to the phone. You think? Nearly nine out of ten Americans, and this is true, are offended when someone they're speaking with starts looking at their phone. That'll get me. However, 75% of people admit, I do that. I do that. And nearly one in five say I do this frequently. So if you're on the other end of the uh, face-to-face communication, you don't want the other person looking at their phone, but you admit you do it yourself. And every once in a while, I will point it out to people. Hey, are you? is this more important than that? Right now, you just look down on your phone. Are you, you're on your phone right now. You just look down on your phone. Did you just look on your phone? Aha! <laughs> It happens. It happens. Hmm. I should use the screen time feature. I'm afraid to... I'm aware of it. I know it's on here. I'm afraid to look at the screen time feature on my iPhone, though. Yeah, cold, cold bucket of reality water if I do. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's what, here's what they suggest in order to, if, if you want to curb your phone usage, although some of you on the text line, ironic, some of you on the text line have brought up a good point. We as a society are being funneled toward the ubiquitous nature 
of our phones, we are being pushed and directed to the device because of all the things that we can now do on, you know, online banking and you can do everything on your phone. A lot of people, that is their computer as well. And if you're, as somebody else said on the text line, look, I'm, I work in sales. I'm on the road a lot. My phone is my inbox. Makes sense. But the trend of society, I think, is pushing us towards the reliance on the phone. And that's certainly uh, not a earth shattering comment. But if you are, I'm gonna, I may try this, Kyle. I may try this. A Washington Post article suggests Here's what you do. Here's what you do if you want to just try. Just try. Not that you're going to wean yourself off your phone, but if you just are thinking, gosh, I spend way too much time on it, just pump the brakes. Don't check your email first thing in the morning. That's it. That that maybe is the uh, the magic bullet to just getting you back to some sort of non-phone-like behavior. Don't check, and you know, I did that this morning. I got up. Now, one thing I one thing I, I will say this too. If you can, don't keep your phone at your bedside. And I realize some people use it as an alarm. I, I, I actually have like an old school alarm. The radio goes off. Old school. The radio goes off. I hear Gene and Jane. I go, time to get up. Time to get up. But no, I will charge my phone overnight, but I put it, I don't, it's not even in the bedroom. If the phone isn't right there within, re- ah, let me just check my email. I'm about to fall asleep. Hang on. What was the score of that game on the West Coast between the Dodgers and the, no, if the phone isn't within arm's reach of the bed, then you're not going to, ah, let me just check the, one more thing. So I will intentionally charge my phone in another room, not even in the bedroom. But I did this morning. I get up, the radio goes off. I get up and I open the door and I walk right to the phone and I check my email. And I had like 75 emails. And guess what? Not a single one, not a single one of my emails was worth checking right then and there. I deleted every one of the 75. Now, not everybody can say that, but I'm guessing many of you can. Why did I have to check my email right when I right when I got up? There was no reason whatsoever for me to check my email the moment I got up. I could have gotten up, I could have showered, brushed my teeth, get some breakfast, whatever, and then I could have looked. There was no reason. Addiction, folks. It's not a pretty thing. Yeah. Keep your phone. Here's here's Scott's tip. We'll close on this. Scott's tip for this. Don't keep your phone in the bedroom if you don't have to. Don't keep it on the nightstand. Charge it in another room, and I'm willing to bet that you will find yourself using it less. It's also not good, studies show, medical study. It's not good to have your phone on in bed because then your eyes, it, it not, not good from a, uh, a health standpoint either. Okay, that's enough of that. Next hour, I said we're going to talk a little vaccination every day this week that I'm in. Don't roll your eyes. I saw you roll your eyes. Yesterday we talked about jobs and careers and whatnot. On that note, I want you to start thinking now. Should you, would you, put your vaccination status on your resume? Dive into that next hour. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. Told Kyle during the break we were talking about uh, cell phone usage. I probably get like 11%. If you were to factor in all the capabilities of an iPhone, I probably use 11% of the full power uh, capabilities that of, a, of an iPhone. It's all paid off. It's all it's over and done with. But, hmm. What percentage do you think? If, if Of everything your phone can do, what percentage do you think you use it in terms of everything it could do for you? I don't use it for any health purposes besides seeing my steps. So I guess I could be more involved there. Otherwise, yeah, I use navigation. I use it for internet. I use it for social media. Sure. And, yeah. um, but there's probably even more that it can do that. There's probably, you know, some sort of function that you don't even know it can do. It'll just. I even use its calculator from time to time. I've, I guess I've done that too. Um, but then we get. Got to be sharp. Just sometimes force yourself to do the math in your head. Unless it's, you know, 2,732 times 11 or something like that. Okay, here we go. Buckle your seatbelts, folks. We talked yesterday about what would happen if your employer tomorrow said, you need to be vaccinated or we're going to have to cut ties. And while the early returns were fine, I'm out of there. I can go. I'll find other jobs. See ya. As, as our conversation went on, we ended up talking to some people that had been at their jobs for a long time. And it would be a really difficult decision. And some have had to make that decision. And they've, okay, fine, I'll get the vaccine because it's just, the financial wherewithal otherwise is just too difficult. To... So here is another angle that I want you to think about. I want to discuss here for just a moment. Let's say you are unemployed and you're looking for your job, uh, looking for your next job, hopefully your next job. Would you put, should you put your vaccination status on your resume? Hmm? What do you think? Would you? Have you? If you have, we'll bump you to the front of the line. I'd be particularly interested to hear from you. 855-616-1620 on the Accunant Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you are doing everything you can to get your job, to get that job, do you not owe it to yourself in this day and age to put your COVID vaccination status on your resume? 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. This is again not a, this is this is not the employer asking you for the information, which they can't necessarily do per se, obviously. This is you taking a preemptive approach. I'm sorry, a proactive approach, taking a preemptive step. Because if what is a resume? A resume is is you, and it's an attempt, it should be, to get you to stand out from everybody else. 
And whether you think, oh, I, that's the right or the wrong thing to do, if you put your vaccination status on your resume, do you think it would give you a, a leg up? And if so, shouldn't you do that? It's all about getting a leg up on every other applicant. Here's what you do. You should always research what you can about that potential employer, right? Know the employer. Know the company to which you are applying. What if you come across an article somewhere or something out there that indicates that that company is pro-vaccine? Whatever it might be. Maybe there's chatter among fellow employees. I don't know. Would you not say on your resume, I am vaccinated? Just put that there, maybe under the... Where would you put the vaccination status? Special skills and abilities category? I don't know. What do you think? I came across this story, this debate, and as, uh, you know, requirements are being mandated... Those applying for jobs might be wondering when they should share that information and how. Experts from different hiring and coaching firms say vaccination status will certainly be a factor to hiring managers. If they already know you are vaccinated, they can check off that question and will not need to worry about getting that candidate tested every week. It will speed up the hiring process if the HR department already knows in which bucket the candidate goes. Plus, they add many times an employer might use other information to determine a candidate's status. Keep in mind, while it's destined for the courts, Biden's new edict on vaccination for companies over 100 employees means that, again, like yesterday's chat, your status as a vaccinated or unvaccinated American, that status is top of mind now more than ever. But before all that, let's not get too deep into the weeds. Would you put it on your, would you put it on your resume? Would you put it on your resume? 855-616-1620. Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I welcome you from the applicant perspective. Also, if you are an employer or if you are a hiring manager of some sort and you saw this on somebody's resume, how do you approach it from that perspective as well? You can come at this from any number of angles. Now, we'll get into it in just a moment on WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Expert in the field of hiring, quote, it is likely in most cases vaccinated candidates will have an edge over their unvaccinated counterparts. In other cases, it depends on the ideology of the hiring manager and the company's culture overall, certainly in states with a low vaccination rate and legislation that bans vaccine mandates and unvaccinated status may be better branding for a job seeker. See, You don't have to just come at it from, I'm vaccinated, I'm going to put it out there. Because 
there are plenty of businesses and employers that are saying, no, heck no. So you could say, I'm I'm not vaccinated for COVID, and that could be a leg up too. If you know that that particular company, that employer, is of that ideology or does not believe in the vaccine. It's not just a vaccinated, and if you are, you got a leg up. You can have a leg up if you're unvaccinated in some circles, too. The bottom line is, should you do that? If it's coming down to you getting that job, do you not owe it to yourself, I would argue, to put yourself in the best position possible? 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. To the phones we go. We'll start in Greenfield, and we'll start with Tim. Hi, Tim. Hey there. How's it going? Uh, First-time caller, just moved to Milwaukee last year, and I have to say I really enjoy the show so far. Thank you. Welcome to Um, our fair city. Yeah, of course. I'm loving Milwaukee. Uh, I'm calling because I used to be, before I moved to Milwaukee, I was a recruiter in the agricultural industry. And uh, I've got one thought from the employer side and one thought from the employee side. Uh, From the employer side, I actually cannot believe how much I'm hearing about companies requiring uh, proof of vaccination on the resume. I mean, if you think about it from a supply and demand standpoint, uh, workers are at a premium right now. So I just can't imagine why an employer would want to uh, limit their applicant pool right off the bat. Um, It just doesn't make sense to me. And uh, don't get me wrong, I am vaccinated, and I think everybody who is medically fit should be vaccinated. But I just can't see why when workers are at a shortage, you'd want to just narrow your pool of applicants right off the bat. That's fine. Um, Let let me ask you, before you get to the uh, other side of the coin, let me ask you from your uh, hiring position perspective. Sure. what if what if the employer wasn't asking at least at the hiring stage wasn't asking you know at the resume stage but but the applicant or applicants um volunteered that information of their own volition on the resume i mean in that case would an employer should an employer not perhaps take that into account as he or she would any of the other you know information bullet points on the resume uh so i think they should take that into account if it's something to them that is going to be a determining factor but if it is i think that that's something that a hiring manager should have on the application to start um i mean i work for a company right now that does a lot of uh in-person events so for us it is important that at least our client facing employees are vaccinated uh but if it's if it is a determining factor, it should be on the application from the get-go. Uh, it shouldn't just be something that's kind of hanging in the background. Uh, well, I, I guess now, I, I guess maybe that would be a hurdle that will have to be crossed eventually or a box that will have to be checked or not checked eventually. I guess, I, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm seeing this from the right out of the gate, you know, the, from the very first application stage, I as the applicant, I'm putting this on there. So that you, Tim, know when you are sifting through two dozen, three dozen resumes and applications for one position, at least right out of the gate, you know Scott Warris is vaccinated. So, okay, we're not going to have to 
maybe, if nothing else, deal with an uncomfortable question at some point or have any awkwardness. But Yes, and from that side of the coin, the other side, from the employee perspective, I do think that if you are vaccinated, as a default, if you're vaccinated and if you are okay with anybody knowing that, it is worth listing on your resume. Don't get, like, recruiters look at tons of non-important information on resumes all the time, and if to that recruiter or to that hiring manager it doesn't matter, they're going to glance right over it. Sure. Uh, if it does matter, then that information's right there for them to see. And if somehow your vaccination status being I am vaccinated is on your resume and that's a negative to the company, then that might just honestly be a way for you to filter that company out of your list mm-hmm. if that matters to you. Yeah. You know, it, it goes both ways. Uh, like I said right before I took your call, don't come at this this topic or this discussion solely from the I'm vaccinated and I'm putting it on my resume. You could be unvaccinated and be even more and and be uh, appealing to an owner or an employer and a company that prefers you not be vaccinated because they don't they don't believe in it or whatever the case may be. And Tim, you know, you know very well that if an employer is doing their best to make sure they hire the best, they're going to they're going to poke around at, you know, uh, the social media posts. Maybe uh, are they on Facebook what have they posted Instagram-wise, Twitter, obviously, all those things. And for a lot of people, I would think, Tim, tell me if if, if you disagree, when it comes to vaxxed or unvaxxed, they may be able to glean that information from people's social media footprint, as it were, too. You, you definitely can. I mean, the, the amount of routes that people can, recruiters can go nowadays to find out information is, basically unlimited. And so if your pro or anti-vaccine status is an enormous part of your online presence, then I would probably just assume that anybody who's taking you past a a 10-second resume review is going to already know that about you. I mean, unless you're careful about what you post online, which which everybody should be. Uh, I'll go ahead and hang up and listen. I appreciate you taking my call. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. See, that's... And welcome to Milwaukee. That's... uh, it, it, It goes both ways. I get that. Ah! What would be a show if we don't hear from our guy, Gianni in Montello? Hey, Gianni. Hello. Good morning. Uh, good, afternoon. good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, l- listen, I, 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 um, great topic, by the way. I, I think one would, 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 would err if, if they did not disclose their uh, vaccine, vaccine status, if, if they were vaccinated or if, if they weren't. Um, so you, you certainly would have to tell the truth. But I, I can give you three reasons why an employer would – would um, you know? Would prefer someone that's vaccinated? I, I think uh, generally it, it suggests conformity, um, and I think uh, employers like conformists rather than nonconformists in most cases. Uh, also, being vaccinated may lower their insurance rates, so you're less apt to um, miss work or, God forbid, go to the hospital and be on a ventilator, which 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 is going to cost the insurer, you know lots and lots of money right so um so i you know i i, I think that i i would certainly um uh, you know disclose it that i that i i did get the vaccine yeah. and that i'm concerned with uh with with health and and, and public safety you, you make know, when you, it comes you, to yeah you you make you, a good point especially uh in the larger picture thanks gianni good to hear from you as always you we'll close on this an employer looks at everything at least they should 
when they decide if they're hiring you and look beyond just what's on paper. Did you catch what Gianni said? There's a good point. What does it say if you are vaccinated or unvaccinated? I mean, what does it say in the interpretation of the hiring manager if you are vaccinated or unvaccinated? Just like when you then come in for the interview, they are drawing conclusions based on what you're wearing, based on how you handle yourself. If you're wearing a hoodie, pajama pants, slippers, and your mom drives you and she's sitting in the lobby while you do the interview, they're going to draw assumptions. That's something to think about. What other things will they think about based on your vaccination status? Hmm. Some things maybe they should or should not be taking into account, but everybody everybody draws opinions of one another based on a variety of factors, and it's certainly very prevalent in the hiring process, right? Scott Warris, in for Jeff Wagner on a Wednesday. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. When we look back on the pandemic as a whole, remember all the different controversies? There were all the stages of controversy, all the stage of debate. And obviously now we are, are we be, I, I don't know that the, does the vaccine, vaccine work, doesn't it work debate, but now we're on the, do you need to know, you don't need to know, I'm not going to tell you, I should tell you debate. What was the first debate? I was trying to think, like, from a timeline perspective. Mike Spaulding is getting ready for news. The first the first ever debate as it pertained to COVID. So take yourself back to March of 2020. Do I have to? <laughs> Touche. Was it, um, is, this, is this the flu or isn't it? Yeah. Is this a thing or isn't it? A, that was probably the first debate, and then we rolled into the shut down debates and then we rolled into well first there was the mask debate which is still going on but it it started like this has been an 18 month long fight i have to really i I should write this down i think there were probably like five or six rolling debates schools schools remember we started one in there at some point then that comes and it goes and then a new debate arises it's just fascinating on so many levels okay to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Mike Spaulding. Thank you, Scott. Fond du Lac Police Officer Joseph Kaur is laid to rest today. The 26-year-old passed away last week due to complications of COVID-19. The department says Kaur contracted the virus while on the job, and as such, his death is being treated as an in-the-line-of-duty death. He leaves behind a wife and two children. Kaur becomes the second law enforcement officer in Wisconsin to die from COVID-19. Milwaukee Alderwoman Chantia Lewis makes her initial court appearance on charges of campaign fraud and embezzlement. This afternoon, she is in the Milwaukee County Courthouse as we speak. Walking into that room, her attorneys failed to reply for a request for comment. And the Red Cross is set to end its support mission for Afghan refugees at Fort McCoy this week. Officials say their effort will wrap up at the end of the month. The organization has been providing temporary 
temporary care for evacuees at Fort McCoy since August. Time for the WTMJ Drake & Associates market update. The Dow is up 257 at 34,556. The Nasdaq up 51 points at 14,598. The S&P 500 is up 28 points at 4381. WTMJ, Pella, WY.com, Time Saver Traffic. Things are looking good on the roads. The uh, construction on 43 northbound at Locust is set to wrap up here within the next couple of minutes. Traffic volume has declined, so no major delays there right now. Though you might be on your brakes just a little bit, so be aware um, of some construction in the far right lane. As such, 94 outbound downtown to Highway 16, 17 minutes. 4145 southbound Highway Q to the zoo is a 14-minute ride. Again, northbound downtown to Good Hope Road. That is a 10-minute trip, a slowdown there of 2 minutes, while 94 southbound downtown to Layton Avenue will take you 7 minutes. Traffic is sponsored by East Troy Lions Fall Fest this weekend. Go to EastTroyLions.org. East Troy Lions Fall Fest and the Walk of Terror is this weekend. See Bella Kane Friday and the Now on Saturday, all in a heated tent. Get more info at EastTroyLions.org. Your WTMJ five-day forecast, mostly sunny skies this afternoon. A high today inland of 81 degrees by the lake. That'll dip down to 74. Overnight tonight, partly cloudy skies, patchy fog, a low 58. Tomorrow, sunny, warm, a high 76, lakeside 83 inland. Friday, cloudy start to the weekend, a high 78 by the lake, 83 degrees inland. Saturday, mostly cloudy and humid. Scattered showers are possible, a high 75. And on Sunday, mostly cloudy skies, chance of early morning rain, a high 71 degrees. New Berlin, 77 in Glendale, it's 74 in Milwaukee. It is 71 degrees. I'm Mike Spaulding, Sighting Unlimited, WTMJ News Time, 136. You know, uh, we were just talking about um, how hiring managers will draw conclusions based on maybe somebody saying they're vaccinated or unvaccinated for that matter. But beyond that, I'm always fascinated when it comes to hiring managers and their interpretation of how the applicant acts or is dressed or handles the situation. You know, have you ever been, real quick, Mike, before you get back to the newsroom, have you ever been on an interview that was, let's say, at a meal or involved a meal, a lunch interview, a breakfast, I don't know, a dinner interview, but a meal interview? Uh, No, uh, no, no, I have not. Do you know what I heard? And I heard this a long time ago, and I... I've never been on an interview that involved a meal, but they say, and somebody tell me if, if, if this is off base, if you are ever at a meal that doubles as an interview, taste your food before you put the salt or the pepper on it. I don't know if you're a salt or pepper kind of guy. If you know, because some people get the meal served, whatever it might be, and what do they do right away? Oh, I gotta take the salt and. What if it's ah, breakfast pepper, though? You can see if an egg has salt and pepper on it. If you fail to taste your food first before you season, that tells the hiring manager you are quick on the decision. You don't take your time in making decisions. You don't take into account all the factors at play. You can rush to a decision rather than take your time. However, if you taste your food first, even if you know it's going to be bland and it's going to need salt and pepper, if you taste, just a little taste first, and then you season your meal, that tells the hiring manager, okay, you know what? This Mike Spaulding guy, he takes the temperature of the room, 
gets all the uh, information, and then he makes an informed decision. He doesn't rush into an uninformed decision. That could help you get your job. Not, not that I want you to leave here, but I'm just saying, should you ever find yourself in that position again? How about that? NFL Combine? What kind of assumption is that? That sounds terrible. Who wrote that? That is... I, I don't know. That's something I've... I heard that or I was told that decades ago, and I've always thought, man, if I ever find myself in a position of, of having a meal during an interview, don't season my food until I've tasted it, because they are looking at every single thing that I do, that I say, and seeing what that says about me and I what you're interprets giving about hiring people too much credit there. I mean, spoken as a that, look, I'm just saying, <laughs> if that's the determining factor, Steve didn't properly taste his food before he put salt on it. What if it's eggs, right? And then you can see that there is no seasoning, yet you take a bite anyway. To me, as a hiring manager, I would think you bit into it anyway, even though you knew it was going to be bad. Which would tell people what about them? You're not a good decision maker. Mm-hmm. You're you're, right. you're you're in a position of hiring here in the news department. Yeah, and I can confidently say I've never thought about if someone seasoned their food or not. Yeah, I also don't look at like, do you cross your legs when you sit? Do oh. you? I don't do any of those things. Don't that- even get me started on people <laughs> who don't cross their legs when they sit, or they do it too much. Why do they scratch their cheek with their left hand? That that tells you a lot about people too. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is good. Now we got a couple of texts from people who have either been at an interview that involved a meal. I don't know which end of the table they were sitting on, applicant or hiring manager. There's something to... You know what? Maybe maybe we should just avoid... But if you're the applicant, can you avoid a meal as the interview? 262. Scott, don't order fish or a salad either. So embarrassing. One meal had bones. A salad requires an out-of-this-world amount of chewing. And on an interview, could be trouble. Okay, this is good. Meal interviews. Bob and Sheboygan. I heard one hiring manager would tell the waiter, listen to this, to bring the wrong dish intentionally to see how the applicant handles the problem. That is awesome. That is great. That is devious. I love it. I love it. Okay. I think I found the uh, answer. Uh, Mike was asking, how? where did I hear the, the seasoning of food before you taste it during an interview being a negative? Where did that come from? Um, maybe this is the answer. 920. I was in an interview like this once. Thank you. I salted my food before eating, which I never do. But I did because I was nervous, and the hiring manager then told me what you just said, what I just talked to Mike about, about tasting it first. Oh, he said it originated from the founder of GE. Wow. The founder of GE? Or was it, uh, uh, who's the GE guy? Oh, I can see him. He passed away recently. Oh, man. who? Come on. The CEO of GE. Famous CEO. Shorter man. Bald. Ah, uh, what's his name? Oh, I gotta look it up now. Uh, he was always like, uh, 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 GEC, uh, uh, my, uh, uh, no, what was his name? Jack Welch. 
Jack, what was that? Is that a Jack Welch thing? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. The manager, somebody says, the when interviewing late in the day at J.C. Penn, yes, thank you, Bob, uh, Jack Welch, Bob Welch. The um, manager at J.C. Penny, when interviewing late in the day, would invite the applicant to go for a meal. If the gentleman would not call his wife to say he would be late for dinner or wouldn't be home for dinner, he would not be hired. Huh. Wow. See, are these just mind games? Is that it? Just mind mind games? Is that all it is? Hmm. We'll have to look into this. More things to uh, think about. Now I've, now I've put people really ill at ease when it comes to... Oh, great. I got a job interview tomorrow morning. Where is it? Denny's. Oh, gosh. And Morris is talking about this, that. Am I supposed to fold my cross my legs, sit back, sit forward, don't season, season? Do I call and tell I'm going to be late for breakfast and things like that or not? Hmm. Hmm. All right. Say uh, 146. Mike Spaulding is back. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center, where we indeed have breaking news. Yeah, it is comes by the way of a retirement. Scott Kathleen O'Leary, State Fair Park CEO and Executive Director, is announcing that she is retiring after 24 years in various roles at uh, State Fair Park, the Wisconsin State Fair. Obviously, off in 2020, came back this year a couple of months ago. And uh, she has decided to step away from her role and retire. Not step away. She is retiring after nearly two and a half, or about two and a half decades after taking over at the Wisconsin State Fair. Someone who's made a lot of progress, and we've had her on the air a lot here, and it's been very... Wow. Uh, yeah, she's done a lot of stuff at State Fair. I'm Wow. She's been a very vocal advocate for it. I, up Look. until this year, they had a run of... Nearly a decade, I want to say seven, eight years of more than a million people attending the fair every year. Um, it's been a really, really great stretch. So, yeah, Kathleen O'Leary, retiring. That's kind of a shocker. 24 years in different roles at the fair. Mm-hmm. That is a shocker. There, there was no, had you heard any whispers of any no. any of this? No. Wow. Not at all. That, you talk about big shoes to fill. You talk about a, wow. Hmm. All right, let's process that for a moment. Kathleen O'Leary retiring as uh, the CEO and executive director from the Wisconsin State Fair. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, uh, this is double back on. We have this cleared up now. It wasn't Jack Well. You got to go back further. Earlier in the uh, era of GE, before that, it was Thomas Edison. One of the early GE. <laughs> Somebody else much more involved in the E, as it were. Um, as legend has it, when Thomas Edison interviewed candidates for research assistant positions, he offered them a bowl of soup. He wanted to see whether they would add salt or pepper to the soup before they tasted it. He didn't want people or 
wanted people who didn't make assumptions since assumptions tend to be innovation killers. Okay, thank you to everybody on the text line who helped us through that. Edison. See, I'm not off my rocker. Not on this anyway. Edison. Who am I, who am I to uh, disagree with Edison? Who am I to uh, lead you astray? So, the other big local news. State Fair Park uh, CEO Kathleen O'Leary announcing her retirement after 24 years. You know, there are certain individuals in this community... Um, I would say Don Smiley, uh, obviously involved with Summerfest. You think about um, other leaders of industry and things like that. Kathleen O'Leary, I'm, my initial reaction is I'm bummed. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that it won't. It, the fair will go on and it will be great and all those good things. But, you know, and, and uh, I've known her for... 20 years, something like that. And you know it. All of you know it. You hear her on our radio station and different shows, especially during the run of the fair. You hear and see her on television. The woman is just a, she is a, um, almost in some ways, a, a force of nature. The energy, the enthusiasm that she carries for the Wisconsin State Fair. And don't forget, she really... She was instrumental during a rather rocky period there with the Wisconsin State Fair and uh, the board situation. I'd have to go back and, and re-educate myself on some of that mess um, until she was made in 2016, officially appointed as the CEO and executive director. For many years, she handled uh, primarily the, the uh, marketing, as it were, but uh, she's been running it for the last five, six years or so. And there are certain people who, because of their personality, because of their work ethic, they can inspire. Look, we've spent a lot of time today talking about hiring and, and leadership and business and, and, and that process. By their personality and by how they lead, they can inspire. And Kathleen O'Leary, if you just watch, you spend three minutes with the woman, you can see how she's able to inspire uh, the people with whom she works and I'm kind of bummed that she won't, hopefully, maybe they can find some, maybe maybe she would want to in some capacity um, be involved somehow, maybe some sort of emeritus role. I know somebody uh, emailed me, said, Kathleen O'Leary, she should run for something. Run now, but see, here's the thing. You have all these great figures that are are uh, admired, uh, some cases, you know, beloved and it, across the board, they have not been sullied by the politics of the day. So no, no, no. I, if Kathleen is listening, Kathleen, don't run for anything. Don't. Because I'm afraid you'd be, they would bring you down. They would sully your reputation once you would go to, the, and I'm not, she's not going to, there's no indication anyway she's going to do that. But you never know. People like this who are suddenly free again to, do whatever they want, and people go, man, we could use somebody like her in, in Madison, for example. And as much as that is the case, you're almost thinking, man, everybody loves Kathleen. Don't run for office. You run for office, people start loving you. We've learned that, certainly, in this country, and in this state, for that matter. Hey, do you know what I, I learned today? I stumbled on this because I was reading an article um, on JS Online about, uh, well, we just lost a polar bear at the Milwaukee County Zoo. Uh, I did not know, shame on me, lifelong West Elysian, 
but lifelong Wisconsin. I, I did not know that before the Milwaukee County Zoo on the grounds that it is now, it was at Washington Park. There was a Washington Park Zoo. Did you know that? I had no idea. And there are still in that area, like around Vliet and 47th was like one of the corners, I think, of it. There are still signs. I went down a whole rabbit hole of Washington Park Zoo. There are still like landmarks. There's a hill, which was Goat Mountain. (laughs) There's a brick fence that was the Rhino Pen. And it's a park area now, at least that quadrant. And you can still see the hill. You can still see the brick wall. I had no clue. I thought the zoo, as we know it now and where we know it now, was the only zoo we've ever had. No idea. Look at there's people going, Scott, you moron. I've lived here since. Of course we had the Washington Park Zoo. How did you not know that? Well, I... sometimes I'm still learning about my own backyard. Okay, 2 o'clock hour on tap. Let me get a little silly after 2 o'clock. Getting a little squirrely after 2 o'clock. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. Hang on a second. Not just a minute. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Dollar Tree to sell items priced above a dollar. And I know there are certain things in Dollar Tree already that cost more than a dollar. They began testing products priced at $3 and $5 in 2019. For decades, our customers have enjoyed the thrill of the hunt. Not to be confused, Attila the Hun. For, for value at $1. And we remain committed to that core proposition. But many are telling us that they also want a broader product assortment when they come to shop. We believe testing additional price points above a dollar for Dollar Tree product will enable us over time to expand our assortments, introduce new products, and meet more of our customers' everyday needs. Our brand promise is that customers get great value for what they spend at Dollar Tree. We will continue to be fiercely protective of that promise, regardless of the price point, whether it's one 125 or 150. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I ask you, just how protective will they be of the promise when the Dollar Tree has fewer and fewer things that cost a dollar? You know how they're getting out of it, though? Because they're going to have 500 Dollar Tree Plus stores. How can we get around this seemingly... Well, quite frankly, PR lie. This advertising fib. We'll we'll call it Dollar Tree Plus. Hmm. Okay, all right, fine. I just so it can be like everybody else. It'll be cheaper still, but like everybody else. Well, that takes away some of the fun of Dollar. What about Dollar General? What's the difference between a Dollar Tree and a Dollar General? Uh, now we're opening up a can of worms here. I usually, I don't even know which one I normally go to. One is yellow, the sign. Dollar General is yellow. Dollar Tree is the green sign. Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. People, you need to be shopping. Kyle, do you ever go to a Dollar Tree and or Dollar General? Uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever been to a Dollar General, because that's not a traditional dollar store. The Dollar Tree, um, up until now, mm. was a traditional dollar dollar store. But yeah, I would go to a Dollar Tree all the time when I was in college. Yes. I think you should still go. You should still go to get things like um, dish soap, Kleenex. You know what is a great thing to get at uh, Dollar Tree Plus? Gift cards. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Not gift cards. Greeting. Sorry. <laughs> Here's a gift card. Oh, that might be good. Too. Get, uh, greeting cards. Cards. I, for the longest time, I'm going to, I don't know, Target and sifting through the cards that are very nice and very creative, but are 5 to $7. No, no, no. Greeting cards, you go to the Dollar Tree or the Dollar General if you have to. That's what you get there. And the other, just, you know, the basic items that it... it mm. uh, Dollar Tree Plus. You know what you can get at Dollar Tree Plus right now? And at Dollar General. And you can get it cheap. And we're about a month out. Halloween candy. That's a good thing that you could just walk the uh, walk the uh, the aisle of... Halloween stuff. Decorations. There's another good thing. When you and uh, the missus decorate your house. Are you guys homeowners? Or are, you, are you still apartment dwellers? No, we rent. You do? Okay. Well, the apartment. When you decorate the apartment, you uh, can use the decorations you buy at uh, for cheap at one of those two stores. And the candy as well. A great opportunity to save money. You don't necessarily need the name brand stuff for the kids. You just throw it in the basket or in the bucket anyway. You can go to the Dollar Tree, the Dollar General. Which brings us to something we have in front of us right here. I do this every year. I do this every year. But I present to you the 2021 best and worst Halloween candy. Ranked and where they ranked a year ago. Now, for the record, I feel in, a, in, a, in an effort of uh, openness, I should tell you and let you know, the worst Halloween candy for me is... Now I'm blanking on the name of it. <laughs> I can see it. Um, what is it? It's um, They're brown. They're in wax paper. Not the orange... And and the black wax paper. Uh, uh, Talking about butterscotch candies? No, no. Oh, Warris, you're killing me here. You're killing me. Um, what is the name of it? <laughs> oh, rehearsal's going great. No, it's um, they're everywhere. It's candy you see year-round, but it's extremely popular uh, during um, during Halloween season. Um, uh, it, it, it has... Uh, a brown and white label on it. What is? What am I thinking of? Line. Come on, throw out ideas. It's it's it, it's a chewy thing. Sometimes it gets caught in your teeth. You're kind of chewing through. It can be hard. There are sometimes different colors and flavors, but usually it's just a brown. It's like a little brown piece of candy. Uh, yeah. See, I was thinking of milk duds. No, but... come on. Why can't I? Boy, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna play a commercial. I'm gonna play a commercial, and I'm gonna find. <laughs> Oh, gosh. They're never going to let me fill in for Wagner again.
Why can't I think of the name of the candy that I've hated my whole life? All right, I'm going to play the commercial. I'm going to tell you what it is, and then I'm going to give you the list of candy. Whew, not my finest hour. Wax isn't listening, is he? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Tootsie Rolls! Tootsie Rolls! Tootsie Rolls! Tootsie Rolls! You're right. I hit the break, and then I look at the text line, and 38 texts in the three-minute, bro, whatever, what, two-minute break. Tootsie Rolls. I hate Tootsie Rolls. I don't ugh, I don't like Tootsie Rolls. The consistency gets stuck in your teeth. Many times if if they're a little bit older, they get hard or if they've been I don't know in a cold place and maybe in the basement they get hard. It's just no, I don't like Tootsie Rolls. Never like Tootsie Rolls. Tootsie Rolls for me are my least favorite candy. So much so that I couldn't think of it there when I needed to. Hmm. The other irony is it makes the list of uh, this year's, okay, so here it is, the 2021 10 Worst Halloween Candies. Worst Halloween Candies. If you want to get one on the list, we'll open it up. I'm going Worst Halloween Candy. Tell me why. 855-616-1620. Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. 20. Worst Halloween candy. Tell me why. Here's the list. Top 10 for this year. So don't get these. The kids will egg your house for it. That and if you are the president of France. Number 10. Black licorice. Black licorice. Number 10. Uh, no movement. It was number 10 last year. Hmm. Hmm. Here we're talking black licorice, and this does not include Twizzlers. And if you uh, read the other lists, you'll see they allude to, if not outright, say black licorice. So maybe it's more understandable that way. Twizzlers are mostly fruity, flavored, chewy, sugary candies. But uh, traditional black licorice has a savory side that perhaps isn't associated with the sugar highs of Halloween. Number nine, good and plenty. Good and plenty. They were also number nine last year. Now, I know, good and plenty are pretty much licorice, right? So there's a licorice theme here to the list. Number eight, there it is. Okay, good. I feel a little better now knowing that many of you do not like Tootsie Rolls either. That's dropped a spot. It's number eight this year. It's number seven last year. And I love the little write-up here. Tootsie Rolls are the easy way out for people who don't want to spend much money handing out candy to kids. You can throw a handful into each kid's bag, and it won't set you back much. But apparently kids tend to not like them very much for Halloween. Tootsie Rolls, flavored Tootsie Rolls, it's all the same. Number seven, Mary Jane's. Up one spot from number eight last year. Hmm. Hmm. Number six, Wax Coke Bottles. Down two spots. They were number four last year. Wax Coke bottles are holding down that number six spot. The novelty factor of these is great. The first time you get one, when you're five years old. Then the realization sets in. You're biting through wax to get to get not even a mouthful of sugar water. By age eight, you toss them in the trash without even bothering. Number five, Necco wafers. Necco? Is that it? N-E-C-C-O? Moved up one spot from last year. 
Um, you may recall, they were off the market for a while. They're back now. You may recall the great Neko wafer panic of 2018. It's weird because clearly some people absolutely love them, but these took the top spot on one list. Uh, the writer says, I'm surprised they weren't on every list. Complaints about them. They are dry and chalky. Kyle, you're nodding vigorously. Oh, I love the Neko wafers. Oh, wow. I, I might be in the minority, but I, I would I was one of the persons like very heartbroken to hear that they were no longer in production, and then now that they're back or whatever. Yeah, I was always very happy about that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that my like my wife will buy for me as like a fun like sort of gag gift. But it's I, it's something that if you ever tell anybody that you enjoy Neko wafers as a candy buddy you get some weird looks <laughs> i don't even know that i've ever seen one or if i did maybe i i don't remember it i have to see one to be reminded of what it looks like smarties smarties are one of my favorites but they're accused of being dry and chalky uh th- those were always one of the first things that i ate but they're the fourth least liked most hated halloween candy for this year number three Peanut butter kisses, up one spot from number three last year, or up one spot from number four last year. Um, Generic-looking candies with that, and this is the uh, plain orange or black wrapper. Yeah, yeah. Number two, and this is a popular one on the text line, circus peanuts. Circus peanuts, up one spot from number three last year. Um they were the number one worst Halloween candy three years ago, and now they've fallen back to number two. There's no way, the writer says, to describe the vileness that is circus peanuts. I I know what they are. I know what they look like. I have to tell you, I don't think I've ever had the circus peanut candy. Have you? I've never eaten them, okay. but back in high school, the the big prank was to lick the bottom of them and put them on people's cars on their windshields and windows because they <laughs> stick. And then oh. when you take it off, it leaves a peanut shaped residue that you <laughs> can only get off with a high pressure washer. Wow! Now that all right, wow. So there is a at least a use for the circus peanuts other than Halloween candy. And the number one, it was number two last year. The number one. Most hated, worst Halloween candy for this year. People are starting to think about buying candy right now. I think everybody knows what it is, right? Candy corn. Candy corn up to number one. It knocked Circus Peanuts off the throne. Hmm. Candy Candy corn, I think, is a very polarizing candy. You either like it or you hate it. You love it or you despise it. And I got to tell you. I enjoy candy corn. I enjoy candy corn. I do. I do. Whether it's the corn, sometimes there's like little pumpkins. It's candy corn, but they're pumpkin-shaped. Um, I like candy corn. Big candy corn. If you don't like it, pass it my way because I'll take it. Wasn't it last year around Thanksgiving time when they when Brock's, the candy corn brand, when they made like Thanksgiving dinner flavored candy corn? Do, do you do that when they, when they get like obscure... Weird flavors where you're like, you know, this is my thing. I'm probably not going to enjoy green bean casserole-flavored candy corn, but... I like green beans. I like candy corn, but no, I don't like the the, the merging of the yeah. two. I think no. it was I think it was Kafiti that brought it in one day because he bought a bag and, and we like he, he and Jordan tried it on air and then had some leftovers and I tried it and it was <laughs> awful. <laughs> no, oh wow, candy corn. 
the most hated, worst Halloween candy of 2021. I'll take the candy corn. Give me the Smarties. I'll, Kyle will eat your Necco wafers. You can have my Tootsie Rolls, the Good and Plenty, the Black Licorice, and all that stuff. There you go. I hope you took notes. So when you go to Dollar Store Plus, you know what not to buy for the kiddos next month.